Welcome to the Death Science Podcast, where we explore new perspectives on life, death, dying, and the dead. Find the audio on all major podcast platforms, and you can find the video on YouTube at www.catacomb.tv. Learn more about the show at deathscience.org. Welcome to episode number 11. Today's guest is Alyssa Cardi, the case manager of Northeast Pennsylvania Paranormal. We'll be talking about her investigations and firsthand horrifying experiences with the paranormal, as well as the different types of hauntings and what to do if your place is haunted and so much more. Joshua Siemens is helping me co-host this episode, and you can learn more about him on his YouTube at www.tinyurl.com slash wearegodyoutube. But before we get started, I want to talk about catacombculture.com. This is where I sell my sculptures. My sculptures being functional home decor I make out of hyper-realistic human bones. From human bone lamps to food-safe skull bowls, I make a lot of memento mori-friendly pieces that serve as reminders that our lifespans are limited, so let's make the best of the time that we have left. You can explore my bone gallery at catacombculture.com. Also, restinggrounds.org will guide you in exploring alternative post-life care for your deceased body. Your deceased body has the potential to literally save lives, advance multiple fields of science, and so much more. Learn more at restinggrounds.org. Now let's meet Alyssa and explore new perspectives on life, death, dying, and the dead. Today we are here with Alyssa, case manager for NEPA Paranormal. Welcome to the catacombs, Alyssa. How are you today? Thanks so much, Jeremy. I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. So tell us about your experiences with the, the paranormal and NEPA Paranormal activity. So, um, I mean, I've been experiencing paranormal ever since I was a child. Um, but I really didn't get into ghost hunting or anything like that until I was an adult. Um, I actually was working at Hot Topic at the time as a manager, and somebody came in with like a really cool t-shirt, NEPA Paranormal. I'm like, that's amazing. What is that? And, you know, she's like, this is my group. So, I mean, that was 13 years ago. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, ever since then, it's been it's been a fun ride. Nice, nice. So, what are ghosts? What are spirits? Let's just start right there. Okay. So basically everybody has their own perception of what a ghost is and what a spirit is. I mean, when you think when you're a kid, you think of somebody shrouded in a sheet, like scaring everyone. But really, I mean, from my experience in the years that I've been doing this, um, spirits, apparitions, ghosts are really just what's left of us when we leave this physical, you know, body, if you will. Um, and I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it. There's a lot of different types of hauntings, but basically that's kind of what it boils down to. It's just that uh, spiritual residue of what's left over after we depart. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how do you define, like, how do you know when somewhere is haunted? You know, there's, there's a process that we've created over the years and it really, um, what it boils down to is uh, an initial phone call just to talk to the person, just to see exactly what's going on, asking questions, how long they've been experiencing it, what type of activity, you know, they've been experiencing. Um, and then, you know, kind of taking that to see the, like, the validity of it. 
and you can really tell, I'm sure you know, you work with people all the time, um, just talking to somebody to see if they're really genuine. And um, nine times out of 10, the genuine concern and fear when you do initially talk to somebody, um, you know, you kind of want to get in there and find, find out what's happening. And it could be anything. It could be something uh, totally rational that they don't think is rational. Like, oh, it's, you know, high EMF from your from your fuse box causing you paranoia. It feels like somebody's watching you. Or it could legitimately be um, something that's happening. But um, in this wonderful area that we live in, so rich with history, uh, a lot of the times the claims are, you know, valid. And we do find activity in a lot of the houses around here. You mentioned there's different types of hauntings. What kind of mm -hmm. types are there? So um, a few of the different types of hauntings that we've run into over the years. Um, one of the most common would be like a residual haunt. Mm -hmm. So that's just something almost like um, like a record player. Like it's repeating itself. It's uh, just, you know, people that were here in your space over the past hundred or so years, just kind of going about their daily lives, almost like it's embedded in in um, the, the makeup of that house. And, um, you know, say you can see somebody, an apparition walking through a wall. Well, maybe there was a door there at that time. Mm. You never know. So that's when we, you know, get into the historical aspect of everything. Yeah. Residual, most common. Um, there's intelligent hauntings. There's, you know, um, more of the uncommon ones are, you know, evil, malevolent. And then the, the 1%, even maybe less than 1%, demonic. So regarding the residual hauntings, it sounds like, um, to my mind, the, the way I kind of view those um, is it, our spirit um, kind of forms this rigid structure of habit in life. And then at depth, for some reason, th the spirit just can't escape that habit of life. And it's just living the same loop over and over again. Um, that, mm -hmm. that's just my view on it, but what do you think about it? Like when you, when you look deeper into it, like how do you usually resolve that? So in my experience, it's not that a lot of the times it's not that our spirit is stuck in that, in that rhythm of what we did when we were alive. It's just almost like an imprint. Um, and I think it really depends on the property itself and maybe what lies underneath the property. A lot of the houses that we find residual activity are very uh, mineral rich underneath, if that makes any sense, mm -hmm. <laughs> or close to a water source. Um, so like, for example, a lot of the um, houses in the Scranton area, Pittston, West Pittston, close to the river, you know, really rich with mineral, um, that's where you find a lot of the residual. And it's almost like um, whether it be something traumatic that happened or just daily activity repeating itself, a lot of the claims will be, you know, the same time of the day, every day I hear somebody walk up and down the stairs every day or every night. So it's almost like a recording of something that had happened in that space. Hmm. Perhaps like um, a merging of time like a wrinkle in space time absolutely just theories brainstorming yeah 
It's yeah, there's, there's so many different theories when it comes to that. Um, you know, and I do have a lot of people asking, they're like, well, do they still think that it's, you know, 1902? Here's the thing with residual. They don't think anything. It's just a replay of something that happened. But yeah, it kind of falls into that whole time space sort of deal. Um, something that repeated itself. Say if there was like, if you were out in the West, you know, a gun battle or Gettysburg, for instance, uh, oh, you know, if there was right. a specific time of night on a specific day when a cannon goes off, you might hear it that specific day, that specific time, for instance. I think one of the claims in the Tilly Pierce house was that um, you would hear cannon fire on a specific day, specific time when the, you know, the moon cycle was correct spot so there's so many factors mm -hmm. <laughs> you mentioned uh gettysburg um i i haven't visited there but i've heard from people who have that gettysburg oh. is like ghost central i mean listen if you have any ounce of sensitivity in your body as far as picking up on spirits or energy if you step on that battlefield you, it's almost like you immediately feel an electrical charge come through your feet and into your body. You can feel it. It's, it's one of the most amazing places I've ever visited. And um, to this date, it was one of the best investigations we ever, we ever, uh, we ever had. Yeah, have you encountered um, orbs? That's what I've heard other people refer to them as. Okay, so, um, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people who reach out to me in regards to case requests, that's the first thing they'll say. I caught an orb on my home security camera. Okay, so here's the here's my <laughs> here's my thing with orbs. A lot of times it's just dust. But I have seen balls of light with my with my own two eyes form in front of my face. Um, whether it be broad daylight or in the pitch dark. And I've seen these balls of light and we've picked them up on camera. Now, do I discount all claims of orbs? Absolutely not. But it would have to be a circumstance where I can absolutely positively not, you know, um, say otherwise that it's a bug or dust or pet dander or something. Um, and I do have videos from cases that I have investigated where you know they've sent me the video ahead of time and i'm like ooh, you know that's interesting it has a flight path the dog sees it in the video mm -hmm. and then we investigated that space and sat and waited and we saw that ball of light go in that specific path in front of our faces and it was amazing so what's your take on that what do you think that is like what's your explanation for the uh the orbs or the light balls or light energy so I think as far as orbs are concerned, it, it really is, uh, it's, it's, I, I mean, it's our, it's our, it's our, it's our spirit light, I suppose. Um, when we leave this place um, and leave this, you know, form that we have right now, um, you, you hear a lot of instances of um, people say passing on an operating table or something. And uh, sometimes they say, or you know, somebody passing in a nursing home that they can physically see something rise from the person that that just um, passed. Um, so I think, you know, there's lots of different manifestations that spirits can take the form of. And I think orbs are one of them. I mean, 
besides the obvious like full-bodied apparition or you know um you know undulating sort of uh, mist or whatever there's so many different forms that that spirits can take so you mentioned you use different types of equipment maybe run us through some of that we do okay so i actually have two of my favorite pieces with me today and they're not very exciting but um so uh, um so just a very simple you know recorder this bad boy um has picked up on things that i you know obviously did not hear with my own ears during an investigation and it really was i mean it's caught some really amazing things um for instance, that case, and I won't get too into it just in case it does get aired, but there is a case that we're working on with uh, with Travel Channel, and um, the audio that I've collected from that residence is pretty incredible. Um, and we're not talking like just one specific voice. There's like three or four different voices that constantly have been recorded. So nice. it's pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and my other favorite piece of equipment is this guy this is um the sb7 spirit box so if you watch shows like um ghost adventures or uh ghost nation or anything like that um you'll see them using this so this kind of filters through white noise at um at a super fast pace you can do am fm reverse forward and um basically you can get intelligent answers uh with this in spirit voice um where right where you can make out if it's a male or a female a child or you know whatever it's pretty amazing wow. now what are some other types of equipment are that do people use like infrared or any special kind of video cameras yeah so there are infrared cameras that will pick up in the dark if there is you know um visual activity in the house a lot of times we'll only use um video if there are claims of more intense uh, visual activity where they do see things along with you know the the of course like hearing things um so yeah there's infrared um there's also a piece of equipment that's really cool i can't remember the name of it because we don't have it but it does pick up video where you can see the outline of the presence um the name's escaping me i'm so sorry Thermal. but anyway and then we have our regular uh k2 and EMF, where it picks up electromagnetic um, charges in the area, where a lot of the times um, we can kind of connect it to some type of power source in the house, but a lot of the times we use that as a form of communication as well for the spirit to uh, communicate with. But there's so many different, like, trigger objects and, you know, teddy bears that you can light up with, you know, when they touch it. And Yeah, there's some cool stuff out there. So how do you cleanse a house after you know that there's something going on there? Well, um, my go-to lately has been a local wonderful shaman and a good friend. Um, only because a lot of times, you know, you can go with whatever the client requires or whatever they want. And a lot of the times, you know, you have to ask, what denomination are you? Like, what religion do you go by? Catholic, okay, you know what? I'll find a priest in the area that would be more than happy to come through and bless your house for you. Um, no denomination, okay, you know what? Simple staging, which I don't mind taking care of. Going through the house, smudging the house, sage, um, 
or, you know, Palo Santo, like a few different methods that we can use to cleanse a space. Um, and I always tell the client, feel free to do this on a regular basis just to keep the space calm. But in more intense cases where the client, um, you know, requires something a little bit uh, stronger, I would bring in um, the our local shaman to help in that process. And he's been just wonderful with helping us. So yeah. have you noticed, uh, you mentioned religion, how does religion matter? Like say if someone is more, say Catholic, are there more like Catholic demons or uh, how, is there any difference, differentiations? The only thing I can really boil it down to as far as religion is concerned is um, a lot of the times if somebody is more of a religious type, they automatically think whatever is in their house is demonic when there's no indication of it being demonic um because you know they i don't know i really don't i i don't know but you know i would i sometimes recommend to them okay you know we don't think it's demonic you know the evidence that we found we definitely think it's human spirit but by all means have your priest come in um a lot of the times if it's somebody who's a very like open-minded non-denominational um, they kind of have like a broader idea of, um, oh, well, no, you know, we, we know it's bad, but we don't specifically, specifically think it's demonic. Like we just want to know what it is. And then, you know, we give them their options as far as helping alleviate the problem. So, so how do you deal with, um, like, say for instance, like you mentioned, someone's very fixed in their religious beliefs and they automatically assume, oh, there's paranormal activity here, it's evil. That's, that's their assumption, that's their belief, that's their upbringing. So then how do you present your information and your truth and your beliefs in a way that doesn't create a conflict or how do you, how do you resolve that conflict? I try to stay as non-biased as I possibly can and I don't bring my personal beliefs or the rest of the group you know we keep our personal beliefs out of it we never bring our own religion into it unless it's you know us going into an investigation and protecting ourselves against whatever is in the house before we know what's in the house um the only time there's ever been uh you know somebody who said to me you know, no, um, I don't, you know, want to have you cleanse my house or have a shaman come or whatever. They were, you know, very devout Catholics. Um, and there was no offense, obviously. It was just me, you know, giving my, you know, what, what I thought was going on in the house. And it was actually an instance where I didn't even, we never even investigated. I just gave her, like, verbal communication over the phone after she told me what was going on of what I thought was in the house and um, you know gave her her options on how to uh, remedy the issue. So what have been some of your most memorable experiences while on cases? We just had an event at the Hazleton Public Library a few months ago um, and it was so funny because I there's one case that I, I don't um, like talking about because it was it was a case that I, I actually refused to go back to for the reveal. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, a, it, it was a private residence in Whitehaven. And 
it was it was funny because you know like the movie the last house on the left this really was the last house on the left <laughs> you know private private road private dirt road in the middle of the woods and um yeah it was a nice little family that had just purchased this house and big house indoor pool about four or five bedrooms and uh going into this investigation um we kind of went in blind with just you know their claims on what was going on and everything and as we got there things started to unfold a little bit more but basically before i tell you anything about the house we we walked into it uh into the kitchen and just immediately felt just disgusting if that makes any sense you just feel like oh this is a terrible space you you just feel heavy and oh i don't want to be here not to mention like they're in the middle of the woods and they had no curtains on any of the windows so oh sure serial killers come get us but anyway um yeah the activity in that house was insane you know we're sitting in there by ourselves and you know just talking asking questions and all of a sudden you hear music and people laughing and people you know uh talking and people swimming in the pool and high heel shoes clicking around the pool now there was nobody there it was just us and at this point we were so freaked out that we started running around the house looking for a radio or something that might have been going off and there was nothing now the the guys at the time there was three females three males investigators and they were outside and while on their walk, they found two uh, pretty significant uh, mounds in the back of the property oh. that were about the size of a human. Hmm. Um, the place was just awful. It just had a bad feeling. And it was just terrible. Wow. Come to find out that this house was used as a party house for this very wealthy gentleman hmm. who would have... Uh, prostitutes come party there were 17 reported reported deaths in the house what 17 17 <laughs> all prostitutes or was it <laughs> drug overdoses drownings but this man was so wealthy he was never arrested or charged with any of it because it was always accidental hmm. 17 reported so wow. You know, we're thinking maybe 19, considering those two mounds that were in the backyard. Right. Wow. Um, But just from personal experiences and just how that house made you feel, I didn't want to go back for any of the reveals or the personal experience, you know, stories or anything. Um, So that was one of my favorites. And I think the other one, um, the most memorable one, would probably be uh, a case in West Pittston where we actually did have to call in the Scranton Diocese. And in my 13 years of doing this, that was the only case that I ever felt that it was a demonic presence just based on um, our evidence and, you know, personal experiences. So, Um, Regarding the Whitehaven house that you mentioned, um, would you be comfortable, like, telling us um, maybe, like, who the guy was or what the address was? Um, I'm I'm just curious. I don't remember the address. Okay. I know it was off of a main road, uh, like a ma- like a major thoroughfare in Whitehaven. Um, but the gentleman that originally owned the house, his last name was Shaneman. 
Shaman. So like the beauty supply place, oh, Shaman's. Um, he kind of had a double life. He was married, <laughs> had kids, you know. But this house was a second uh, property of his that he kept very private. Mm-hmm. And even like the maids and the you know the staff that cleaned the house, their house was down the road away, so they were away from the property. Say for the other collectors out there, even like maybe taxidermy collectors, uh, any kind of maybe residual manifestations in bones themselves or even mm. skins or anything like that. What do you think? I guess it depends on how um, if that specimen went willingly or not. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I come to find that most, um, you know, that would donate themselves to science. They have that very good intention, that very, like, uh, honest personality, those kind of good vibes. So I figured, like, yeah, usually in that instance, it'd be nice. But as opposed to, like, say, like a murder victim or all kinds of crazy stuff like that. In that case, I would kind of see that there would be some type of, you know, connection Mm. with that. Um, Yeah, it's it's hard to say, really. I mean, you so many. I mean, if you look at like the Warrens and all of those objects that they collected over the years, um, I mean, I I guess it really depends on on that specific object and what the intention on that Mm. object is or was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 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 when it comes to intention. Tell us a little bit about spirit boards and like Ouija boards. Anything that, uh, are they good, bad, fun? What do you think? So, I think it really depends on the one who's using it, if they're experienced in using it, and who you're trying to talk to. Um, I think Ouija boards in general are just a really bad idea. <laughs> Uh, case in point, Uh-oh. my West Pittston case, my West Pittston case that I had to call in the Scranton Diocese all came from using a Ouija board. Mm-mm. So, um, yeah. Put it away, kids. Put it away. Put it away. I don't recommend it. Um, and the fact that Fisher Price sells them is just uh, <laughs> right. really funny. <laughs> so- uh, yeah, I don't recommend it because really you're opening a door, mm. opening the door is very easy closing it is not so easy mm-hmm. um and like i said a lot of case they're they're a nice full handful of cases are ouija board related one of my re- most recent requests was a younger group of people uh yeah i think we summoned the ouija board demon zozo and he's here and i'm like okay so one thing I will tell you is that I'm going to have to, like, get rid of your Ouija board for you. Oh. And the kid was like, I paid $20 for that. You're not getting rid of it. And I'm like, okay, well, you and Zozo are going to have fun in that apartment for the forever now. Um, Tell his mom. Get yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's funny. It really, you have to laugh sometimes. It's it's like, okay, yeah, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to help you with whatever you think you have going on but you're gonna have to get rid of the ouija board oh well no okay so what do you think it is about the ouija board because materially it's just a plain game board with a little you're right i mean material it is just it's a it really is now 
a Ouija board, you can kind of make a communication device out of anything. That's a piece of cardboard. Right. I mean, some of them come in wood. Say you're outside in the wilderness and you draw something in the dirt. I mean, a lot of the times when we summon to open a door, it's, you know, you're you're setting that intention to invite something into this world um, or inviting whatever into your circle. A lot of times with, um, you know, people of pagan belief or people of, uh, you know, uh, satanic belief or whatever, they tend to set their space. I mean, if you look at, like, the history of, you know, say, look at Stonehenge. They say it was used to tell time. I mean, a lot of people have different beliefs. Personally, I think that was like a worship space. That was their, you know, form of inviting whatever gods into that space mm-hmm. to communicate. So I think there's lots of different ways that we can you know, open up a line of communication with the spirit world, whether it be Ouija boards or, you know, casting any type of circle to open up to the spirit world. So it's mostly like the intention and conscious willpower um, going into it. Like you said, you could pretty much make a summoning with anything, even just drawing in the dirt. And But like the core of it, it sounds like is just having the intention and inviting in whatever spirit Exactly. And a lot of these kids that are playing with these Ouija boards, they have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're getting new friends, new roommates for mom oh and my daddy. God, lots, of, yeah. lots of new roommates, but that keeps me busy, so I'm not yeah, complaining. Hey, why not? Why not? <laughs> so every time you tell me about these, uh, these new investigations you're doing, it just makes me think, like, what if, hear me out, new <clears throat> business plan for us here. Ready. What if... What if we bought one of those houses, flipped it into like an Airbnb and marketed it like it was like haunted experience? There you go. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Buy those houses, lowball them because it's haunted. People don't want that. Yo. Scoop it all up and then flip it right into Airbnb. Do, I think because... you have a perfect business model here. I mean, look at how much revenue that Lizzie Borden house. Oh, right. They do bed and breakfast. Yeah. Yep. They do. You can stay there. And I mean, I know it depends on the, the time of the year. But um, uh, if you look at those rates, it's not cheap to stay there. Right. Well, fun so. fact about the Lizzie Bowden house. So I uh, I did like a bus tour thing like forever ago. I did Salem and the Lizzie Bowden house. While I was mm-hmm. there, um, they you know, they walk you throughout the house. I was doing a tour. And so we go downstairs and they're doing something in the kitchen, like the whole group. And I'm, I'm outside like in the door frame. And all of a sudden, like, I, I feel like, like a little little grab on my elbow. Hmm. And I'm like, I, I, I turn and I look and there's no one behind me, right? And I'm like, eh, it's probably just a muscle spasm. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, maybe I, I, I don't even know. So I'm like, whatever. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I go back, I'm trying to listen to like what's going on in the kitchen and it fucking happened again. And I'm like, oh, that mom's fucking picking on me right now. Ooh. <laughs> Like, but I don't know. That was probably the only semi-ghost-related experience I've probably ever had in my life, to be honest. I think I need to bring you on more investigations. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When's the next one? When are we going? We'll do a, a live Saturday. cast or something. Oh. It's coming Saturday. Oh, uh, well, I, I got a text talk on Saturday. I'll sign away. <laughs> Damn. 
It's okay. It's just over in Ashley, so even if you want to oh. scoot over for a little while. Oh, nice, nice. Why? Yeah. What's going on in Ashley? What's good there? Uh, it's a woman. Um, her granddaughter, five-month-old baby, is getting attacked. Oh. They have uh, video evidence, like a lot of video evidence. So, um, you know, that will be a night that we will have our IR running. Wow. Yeah. Footsteps. They they see something. I can't. She tried sending me the video, but the way she describes it is it looks like a, a large raven-type being that watches the baby from outside the crib. And she has video of it. You could see the eyes blinking. <laughs> the Mothman? What's going on there? I don't know. Oh, Man, it's Mothman. Like, wouldn't that be crazy? But she said it, it resembles a raven. So I'm really confused as to what it is. So, like, you know, I we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, she says, she goes, everything starts up like clockwork. 11 o'clock at night, they start going up and down the stairs. The dog sees it. The baby was in the walker and something cracked the baby in the back of the head. The baby face planted oh. on the walker where they physically saw it happen. And I'm like, oh, okay, well. Yeah, so we're going on Saturday. Oh, we'll yeah. Well, happens. if it's at night, yeah, we could probably swing it, probably check that it's out. It's at I night. It was during the day. Yeah, yeah. Of during course. The day, good at night. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how do you, um, have you ever had like a spirit make a demand or a request oh. or ever had to communicate with the spirit to reach the resolve? Yeah. Like a demand on like for, for one of like the, the resident of the house to do yeah, for like, them? Like, um, so I don't know. I've got, I think I got this notion from like movies or books or whatever. Mm. I, I'm pretty sure that's where it comes from, but I'm wondering if it's true. You know, you're in the field, so I figure you're the one to ask. Um, like is, has there ever been an instance where like the, I don't know, the spirit made a demand, like it's, it needs some sort of resolve to be at peace. Like, um, maybe like, I, I think I heard of one instance where they cut down the family tree. Um, the, the people who used to live in this house, they had this family tree. And mm -hmm. the family that moved in cut it down. And there mm -hmm. was, like, a haunting there because they cut down the tree. So then they had investigators come and the, uh, the spirit said, um, this is what we want you to do <laughs> to resolve it. We want you to plant a new tree. And yep, that was one of our houses. Oh, okay. I, I must have heard that from Albert or something. I don't know where I heard that, but... Jeremy, were you there at that house? Yeah, was that the one in Duryea? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you tell me? No, I, I don't know. I don't Maybe know. Albert yeah. No, no, I think Albert might have. Yeah. Albert might have uh, told you about that. That's actually one of my favorite cases. I'm just grabbing a tissue. Um, um, we had done that case probably eight or nine years ago mm. and um hold on. same family or just a different family different family uh. um so the initial claims that we got it was a husband and wife and you know they said that they see a man looking in their front window they see a child looking in their front window they see a ghost of a cat they hear things they see things blah the list goes on so we went and we investigated and everything that they said ended up holding up. We had photographic proof of the old man looking in the front window. We had photographic proof of a child looking in the front window. 
I saw with my own eyes a black fluffy cat that was not theirs run up their staircase. Um, and we got some really interesting EVPs at that house. And, you know, I dove in and did a lot of historical digging, went to the library, picked up, you know, the 19... 19- 12 or whatever census from that house found names found ages found everything found that the son was accidentally shot in the head in the woods Whoa. right by the house so a lot of trauma now you know we investigated we told them what was going on we told them how to deal with you know these spirits that they 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 lived there so you know just kind of make peace with them let them know like this is our space now you know you need to calm down anyway fast forward eight years I get a call from a gentleman and he's telling me all of this activity that's going on in his house and it sounds extremely familiar. And I said, um, Mike, where's your house? And he said the name of the street in Duryea and I said, oh, okay. Um, and same exact claims and everything. And when we went back and investigated, we had found that uh, the activity had kicked up because they removed a tree in the front yard and uh, there the wish of this you know the the gentleman spirit was that the family replant a tree uh, to kind of remedy the uh, that other tree being mm-hmm. cut down now mm-hmm. it was cut down because of health uh, safety concerns rather it was rotted it was really mm-hmm. old so uh I think since then they have planted a tree and everything's calmed down in the house. Nice. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you dug up the history from it. What's some advice to begin looking up a history on a house? Such like So that? best thing is to either go to the local library or local, uh, if you have a local historic society, historical society. Um, if it's a smaller town, a town hall, look at some records, pull like old censuses to see who lived there. Um, any old, uh, you know, newspaper records, because that was, you know, the social media back then. Um, uh, I mean, smaller towns were better about keeping more information, sometimes not. But, um, yeah, you'd be surprised how much information you can dig up just by going to the library or talking to older neighbors if they're, Mm -hmm. you know, still around. Mm -hmm. What kind of myths do you... Hollywood movies really propel on like the paranormal life well I think there's some that I mean Hollywood movies in general really amplify everything if you will of course Um, so for instance I mean everybody's favorite the Amityville Horror so (laughs) that's a very well known one Um, you know the, the Lutzes fled the house you know, there's different uh, stories as to why they fled the house. Could they not pay the taxes and they were bankrupt? Maybe. Did they flee the house because there were spirits in the house? Very possible. When you have a family of how many? Six? Five? Six? Tragically shot? I think it was... Oh. I can't remember. But anyway, um, that's going to stir up activity. Was the house cursed in general? No, the guy was crazy. But after, you know, the murders and everything, does it leave a stain on the house? Absolutely. Is Hollywood going to take that and capitalize off of it? 
Absolutely. A lot of times they'll take something that happened and just make it so much more dramatic for, you know, obviously like box office sales. Um, one of my favorites, though, that does hold a lot of truth, um, if you really look into it and, uh, you know, look into the research, is uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Mm. Oh, is that the one? I saw this one exorcist and it really freaked me out. When uh, she stays at her, like, boyfriend's dorm or something, and then he that wakes one. up, and she's, yes. like, bent, like, bridge pose yep. in the middle of the... I'm like, oh, Yep. That one actually oh. holds up a lot. Um, you know, a lot of that was documented properly um, by the priest. There's actual recordings. Um, now, you know, scientifically, they'll say she was schizophrenic, uh, she had mental disorders, but if you look at, you know, the views from the priests in the Catholic Church and, you know, a lot of the claims on what happened, I mean, how could she get her voice to change? You listen to those recordings. It's really uh, interesting. Uh, because when you really listen, you could hear three different voices talking at once. It's pretty incredible. Well, fun fact, I, uh, for whatever reason, I was in like a procrastination kind of mode this morning. I was looking up, um, um, how was it? It's, um, like Mongolian throat singing. Oh. Are you guys oh, familiar with so that? Cool. Yeah. I love I'm it. like, I'm like, I want to learn to Mongolian throat sing. I'm like, this is pretty strange. Have you heard that band? What are they called? There's a band. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I don't know the band. I, I saw, like, on Google, there's, like, a bunch of different, like, artists like that. But there's there's this guy who has a Udemy course that will oh, yeah. teach you how to throat sing. I'm like, <gasps> eh, maybe if it goes on sale for 10 bucks, like Udemy courses <laughs> typically do. I'm like, eh. eh. Do it. I it's know, one right? more thing to add to your repertoire. <laughs> do it. it. It's about the placement of yeah. the tongue. Oh, yeah, yeah. I... I yeah. 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 But it's cool. But, there's like, there's actually like, there's a, they're, they're like a metal group. They're, they're like uh, guitars and stuff with like weapons. Like they're really oh, rad. Dang. Oh, they're so awesome. I'll have to send it to you later. It's so cool. <laughs> oh, but hey, yeah, may, maybe that's another thing we could do. We could tour, but we'll, our venues will only totally. be haunted houses. We'll yes. play, we'll throw, sing in haunted houses. That could be a thing. It's an excellent, excellent idea yeah yeah millennials Great it's idea. all about the experiences <laughs> the spirits will love it they will i, I think they will yeah yeah all right well <laughs> is there anything else that you want to kind of talk about or point us towards while we wrap this up not really i mean unless you know anybody wants to reach out to me for questions oh, i'm really absolutely. easy to find yeah um, so say my house is haunted i need those ghosts out how could we get Absolutely. in touch with you? And I'd be more than happy to listen to whatever accounts you have. I go through all the emails. And if I don't, they get filtered to me anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Best way to reach me uh, for any type of paranormal issues is through our Facebook page. It's uh, NEPA Paranormal. Um, we're really easy to find. We're part of the TAPS family. So we are affiliated. We're nonprofit. So we'd be more than happy to come and help in any which way we can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping by the catacombs, and until next time, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> 
thank you for joining me on another episode of Death Science Podcast. For updates and new episodes, subscribe right now. It's quick at deathscience.org. Remember that we almost die one day, so talk to your loved ones now about your post-life plans for your body. Learn more about creative and beneficial post-life plans at restinggrounds.org. I'm your host, Jeremy, signing off. Thank you, and memento mori.